0: Recorder is officially on. So whenever you're ready, go ahead and give it a whirl.
1: This is Joe Baines from joebaines.com. And you are listening to Vroom Vroom Via with Jeff Smith reminding you to
0: live consciously. Perfect. See, that's good. Yes. Live consciously. One of my recent favorites was uh, Find Your Village. And I dig that, yes, because we're all just... Mm. See, you're in a library, so it's perfect. Anyway, let me hit stop. I'll be right back.
1: (laughs) Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith
0: Elizabeth pearson Gar, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going?
2: Oh, great. I'm so happy to be here, Jeff.
0: Yeah. Thanks for showing up. And you're on time. Very professional. <laughs> right on time. Perfectly on time. So you're at uh, what it's like to.net, and I struggle with that so far. That's why I said it so slow. <laughs> Talk a little bit about what you're most excited about in this awesome podcast that I checked out. I really like it.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, I, um, I love meeting interesting people and talking to them, and so that's kind of what this podcast is about. I interview people who have done really intriguing, unusual things that most of us will never get to do in our lives, right. so I find these people who have done things like Summit Mount Everest or win an Olympic medal or this 16-year-old kid who sailed across the Atlantic Ocean solo yeah. and didn't even know when he was doing it that he was setting a world record. Oh wow. By now by doing that. that show. <laughs> and so <laughs> wow. People who just have done these things either with real intention like obviously going to the Olympics or right. you know they just have these dreams and passions and then they work hard and of course they hit obstacles. Mm. but they fight through them and they keep going. And so I kind of find these metaphors for life that all of us can use, even if we're not climbing a major mountain, you know, we're on day to day, week to week, month to month basis. We're all kind of um, having highs and lows. And I um, I've heard from people that it can be inspirational, even if they're not going to do that, do those same kinds of activities.
0: Sure. Oh yeah, definitely. That's it. Your show and my show are very, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm not going to say they're the same, but they rhyme. How's that
2: sound? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it.
0: Mm, yeah. Right. I like to hearing, focus on uh, transition points, you know.
2: And I think hearing people's stories really kind of shows the humanity of, of yeah. us all and what we yeah. have in common more than what we um, have um, differences among us.
0: I really like focusing on struggle points because that doesn't show up on social media posts, nobody says like, I'm really struggling with my identity today.
2: Jeez, yeah. who am
0: I? Nobody ever put on Facebook ever. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> right. It's right. our sort of airbrushed life. That exactly. <laughs> the these airbrushed days. life. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. As opposed to like our, our real humanness, you know, with right. all the as we say, warts and all, but you yeah, know, yeah. that's, I think that's where we, we really see each other is when right. we see like, Oh, everyone struggles. Even that person at the top of the profession or, mm. you know, the, on the, on the podium or whatever, like they struggled so much and they not just struggled like, Oh, maybe had an injury or, but they, they heard, no, they were given rejections. They, and then the mental struggles, you know, the little voices inside our heads that we all get that we all have to fight with, like yes. you know, telling other people telling us no, our own selves telling us no, you can't do it. And so right. I just really admire people who kind of find something they want to do and keep going for it. Or like you say, they might veer, like, you you know, right. they stay true to themselves and say, actually, not this anymore. I'm going to do that. And so yeah. yeah, I just I love hearing stories. I love telling stories. And so that's what I love doing about this
0: podcast. So, you've done a lot of rooming and veering.
2: I have indeed. <laughs> to get here. I, I didn't graduate from college and start a podcast.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> well, podcast didn't exist when you graduated from college. <laughs> <They sure didn't. laughs> so, let's go back in time and talk a little bit about Elizabeth Pearson Gar growing up. So, where did you grow up?
2: I grew up um, in Palo Alto, California. Um, my dad was, um, a professor at Stanford and my mom was a teacher and then she became a high school principal. So very education kind of focused place that, um, but really fun. I mean, really fun, happy, loving upbringing. The one thing I always knew about myself is that I wanted to become a mom because I loved my, (laughs) I loved my childhood so much. That's awesome. Um, but I loved Academically, I always loved writing. That was kind of my happy place. Like I just creative writing, any type of writing. So Mm. I thought I wanted to do something with writing. Or early on, I had this idea that I'd love to work in TV. I think I'd love to work somehow in television. Interesting. And the older I got, and I and I remember in college looking in an internship in television, and people were like, "No, that's really hard. (laughs) It's really hard to work in TV." You should, right. you know, you're Don't you're do a good that writer, it's hard. Just, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the odds of success are so low, you know, I get just it. stick with something else. That so, sounds like a
0: parent advice. A parent's advice. It
2: does. Fortunately, yeah. it was not my parents. My parents were really awesome. Like as okay. much as you So here was my dad, this, you know, very academic guy and when I graduated from college, I because I liked writing, people said, "Well, you can't just say you want to be a writer. You need to say what kind of writer you want to be. And Mm. I also loved cooking. So I said, well, I'll be a food writer. And they said, well, you can't, you need some expertise. You can't just write about
0: food and not know anything about food.
2: Uh, Yeah, sort of with any-
0: (laughs) Authority. Just an interest,
2: authority, Mm. that's the word. So I should go to cooking school. And so I told my parents, while all my friends were kind of going off to management consulting jobs and graduate degrees and all this, well, I think I'm going to go to cooking school. This the fall after graduating from college. And my dad, to his great credit, said, wonderful. If that's what you want to do, show me that you have passion. You you have shown me that you have passion about it. As long as you're not just copping out and saying, I don't know what else to do with my life. I'm just going to hmm. do this because it looks easy. See, if now this I is wish
0: some... I, your dad had been around every day in my life. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, that's a a
0: very good voice to hear, right? Are you copping out?
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I I really admired it because I know in his heart, he probably thought like he has loved his career. So he probably thought, oh, maybe she should get a PhD. You know, that's kind of a parent thing to do, right? right? If you like what you're doing and you see your kid, you think, oh, maybe they should follow in my footsteps. But he never did that. He really looked at me and my sister and thought, well, what do you love doing? And he knew I had this real creative spirit and so they supported me um, to say, sure, do go after what you want to go after. And so I've always taken a really non traditional path mm. um, that I know made them nervous at times <sighs> because my mom would throw in things like, but that job doesn't have
0: benefits.
2: <laughs> and, that, and I remember thinking, <laughs> benefits? I'm like 23, let me live my life.
0: That's true. But, that job mom, doesn't have benefits. <laughs> True. I get
2: it now. As a mom, <laughs> I can see if my kid—one of my kids—is super, super artsy, and she wants to be like an actress and a singer. And I could see mm. myself thinking, "That doesn't feel safe." On the other hand, I was kind of that kid too. I kept wanting to do yeah. the creative route. So, yeah, yeah, I appreciated my parents, you know, not pushing me to just do some job that I felt was boring. I ad- I admire the people that can go sit in an office for eight or 10 or however many hours a day that just was hard for me <laughs> i get it
0: <laughs> okay so let's let's just uh cross some t's and dot some i's so you went to harvard right for I your did. undergrad and then yes and that was in literature or history uh, or history? history
2: and literature history it was and a literature. combined combined major well wow. they call it concentration yeah nice yeah, and then
0: was, you go to culinary school. Is that what it's called, uh-huh. or cooking school? Culinary school.
2: Yeah, culinary, culinary school. Culinary.
0: That's a hard word.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let's just see. Either, either. There you go. And that that really was just to get some education under my I belt. It. I knew yeah. I didn't want to become
1: like a, to be a chef, a chef mm. or
2: work in a you know on a cruise ship or in a you know hotel kitchen or anything like that. I just wanted to know really how to make a proper. French stock and yeah. you know that kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Really understand like the principles of French cooking and
0: that sort of mise thing. en place, shit together. That's <laughs> oh, there you go. Look at you.
2: Looks like you went to culinary no, school. <laughs> I
0: just watch a lot of Food Network. <laughs> oh yes, but okay. I will say like the idea of that. I, am I saying it right? It's French. I don't speak French, so. Uh, When they say mise en place, right? Is that how it's said? Mise en
2: place. Mise en
0: place. There Mm -hmm. you go. See, I learned something. Good for me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't speak French either, but I do remember that from cooking school. (laughs) Right, And that, you know, whenever you watch a cooking show, everything's already prepped, right? The onions are cut and measured, right? And they're in a little thing, right? So you do that for every little ingredient. And then when it's time to cook, it makes everything easier, right? That's the concept.
2: That is, yes. And they also make it all look so easy on a right. cooking show because that's already done. It's done. And they right. say, you just throw in the celery and the carrots and then you like, well, yeah, that's why it takes you five minutes. Exactly. I have to sit and do my, right. my prep shopping for 20 minutes ahead that's of right. time.
0: <laughs> so that's got to be like the low end job in the, in the restaurant doing prep. I would imagine. Yeah, it must
2: be. You know, I've never. So I, <laughs> I never did work. I never worked in a restaurant. I don't. Right. Ne- I don't know if you've watched the show The Bear, but um, my I was watching it with my husband, and he was like, "Wow, did you ever do that?" And I'm like, "No, I'm, I can't. Like, that's hard work. Yeah, that is your. Yeah, you know, you got huge stockpots of things. Mm. Like, no, I I never did any of that work. Whenever um, I
0: watch like the the super intense restaurant kind of service kind of shows, you know, yeah. It, it's very militaristic. Like oh, yes. there's, there's a guy in front yelling things out <laughs> yeah. and everybody says, yes, it's like yes. the Navy. Yes, chef. <laughs> uh-huh. it's, Yeah, And you have to say that because they want to know that you heard them, you know, just like in the Navy, it's like, say it back. What did I say? Say it back. Don't make me tell you to say it back. Right. And that—that's a thing they do in the Navy. It's you know? like
2: with one of my kids. I'll say, Did you actually hear me? You know, mm. or are you just? Can you right. please tell me, like, right. uh huh? Or I just need a little reply right, that you right. actually heard that you're supposed to empty the dishwasher now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So, all right. So you go to college, then you go to cooking school. So, what happens next? Because that's a beginning so, and an end, and an end yeah. and a beginning. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So then I was a food writer and I still had this idea, like, I'd love to work in TV. That was kind of this dream that had been germinating for a while. And I happened to read that this new network, this cable network was starting and it was called the television food network. Wow. And I was living in Washington DC at the time and the TV food network was in New York. And I just found a name of a guy and I found an address, and I wrote him a letter, an old-fashioned letter, because this was the '90s. Yeah. And I said who I was and my background and my resume, and I said, "And I'm going to be in New York next week. Could I possibly meet with you about working at your network?" And I had no plans to be in New York next week, but I was like, <laughs> "I know I can be, in New, be in New York next week." New York
0: next week. Ah, I like it.
2: So he wrote back and said, "Sure," and he gave me a job, and I ended up as one of the first employees. Of the Food Network, although we called it TVFN back then, mm-hmm. TV Food Network, and, we, and so we only had two shows. I worked on the um, it was called Food News and Views. It was like a TV uh, or a food. That's what it was. It was like a little news show about, about food. Food. <laughs> okay. Um, and so, yeah, I was there right from the start and worked there for two and a half years. And so that got my foot in the door into TV. Uh, it wasn't on camera. My My dream had always been to be like an on-camera person, but I learned how to write and produce and, um, you know, do all the background stuff. And it was super exciting. It was really fun. It was like a great time to feel like I was, you know, like when I was working hard and I never had a dream of living in New York. I wasn't one of those people who felt like, check this off my bucket list. But anytime I was having a bad day, I was like, I'm working towards my goals, like, you know, I'm right here in the center of things, and I'm
0: I'm you're in working in TV and you're in New working York. In TV, and it's related like, to food. So you, yeah, like, you've nailed it. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, like I'm. I'm you had a little well. list,
0: right? And you're like, I want to write, I want to work in TV, and I yeah. want and I want it to be about food. So I mean, you got all three. I mean, what else could you want?
2: Well, the other part that I wanted <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> was I wanted to be on camera. I wanted to be on the Today Show. That was my goal. I wanted oh, to wow. be like Katie Couric. Like that was kind of what, that was my dream. Okay. And so at the Food Network, they were pretty clear about the lines. Like someone was hired for on camera and other people were hired for behind the camera. Occasionally ah. they let us do like little stand-ups and little things like front of the camera things. But right. mostly that was just so we could work on our tapes to send off other places. But one day, I think just playing off of my, the boldness I had to get that job, I just decided to write a letter to Diane Sawyer because I really, I I really admired her and I really, I don't know why, like. I don't, I was very courageous, I guess, in those days. And she actually called me back on my answering machine, my old fashioned answering machine. Well, (laughs) she did, her assistant did. And I remember coming home from work one day and I thought, this can't be real. But she said, I'm the assistant to Diane Sawyer and she got your letter and she'd love to meet with you. Wow. Because I just thought I'd love career advice from you. So I went into her office and I was so nervous and she was so lovely and kind to me and basically said like, I see some of myself you know, in you, like this young, hungry yeah. woman who wants to become, you know, a reporter. And she basically said, you need to get out of New York. Like if you want to do it, you, you're not going to get New what York you market want.
0: is too big.
2: It's yeah. too big. You can, if you want to be a producer, stay here for the rest of your life. But right. if you want to be in front On of the, the camera, right. you got to go to a small market. Okay. Um, so that makes sense. I I did do a couple other twists and turns. I actually moved to LA from there because other stuff. But I, taking her advice, I ended up in Billings, Montana, as Smaller an anchor market. and reporter. Right. So I, you know, again, similar thing to at the Food Network, when I had hard days, I was sort of like, I'm really doing it. Like I'm doing what Diane Sawyer told me to do boots <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> right. And I worked so hard. I mean, I just was trying to put my best foot forward all the time and just like sending out tapes to bigger markets and everything. So this was my total vroom vroom.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is a big veer.
2: And I'm, g- I'm going to
0: do what you do on your show. What was it like <laughs> <laughs> to be like <laughs> a TV like? anchor in Billings, Montana? Because that sounds fun. Um, it sounds like a lot of work, uh, like a lot of hours. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was. It was a lot of hours. So I, um, I was the weekend anchor and then I was a reporter for three days in the week. So my days off were two days on the weekdays. Okay. So I felt like I didn't really have any life because... My weekends, there wasn't, in my mind, a lot going on in Montana. I didn't really have any friends except who was at the station. Okay. And they mostly had the weekends off. And if anything was coming into town, like a show or anything, it was on the do. weekend.
0: Something to do, fun. Yeah. yeah. Right.
2: And I was working on the weekends. And so my days off weren't with anyone that I knew from work. And so mm. it, I felt pretty lonely. I felt I quite lonely. That. And I felt I very yep. fish out of water, kind of. And so I was really there for work. I just kind of had a couple of good friends th- through work. And I increasingly got just frustrated because I understood that we had to do everything. It is not like people think from watching TV, you know, where you see these bigger markets where they have per teams of producers and editors and, you know, anchors and everybody helping out for these amazing stories. I mean, in these small markets, you're doing a lot of one man banding it. I mean, I was Mm. doing a lot of things like produce when I was an anchor, I was producing the whole show also. And it was, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. You're going out. I mean, you've had, we had a cameraman to do field field work. Okay. But then the nice thing is that we had a lot of autonomy. I mean, we got to create really fun and interesting stories a lot of the time. Okay. Right. Um, but after a while, I just got pretty demoralized at how much of the industry, it just became increasingly clear to me how much was just based on my appearance and not mm. on the quality or content of the work that I was producing. Interesting. Because
0: just, the, how, just how you look, you look good on camera. You're getting us numbers. That's all I care about.
2: And (laughs) my age and my ethnicity, like they would, I'd send out my tape to a bigger market and I would get back. I remember this one comment. We already have one of you. And I thought, (laughs) I think there's only one of me, but okay. You basically have a a late twenties Caucasian woman. Ah. And, but I can probably bring something else maybe. And then the, the real story that was just crazy, I remember one day they, the station brought in this, I don't know what she was called, some sort of talent scout or something. And she had all the anchors go read on the set. And I did. And she pulled me over and she said, sorry, honey, you know, in this business, some people have it and others don't. And I'm afraid you just don't have it.
0: Ah, uh, I've heard this before.
2: And I thought, well, What's that's. It? <laughs> I know, that doesn't feel great but all right and then the next morning she came in for day two and she said elizabeth elizabeth come over here she took me in the back and she brought all this makeup and this she put all this stuff in my hair mm. put all this tons of makeup on she goes go back on the set and read again
0: see if it i think shows i did up. the
2: exact same thing <laughs> yes. and she had this big smile she goes now you have it
0: Interesting.
2: And I said, so it is makeup and hair. The makeup and hair. <laughs> that is interesting to me because I read the exact same copy and I pretty much read it the same way. Right. And there was just enough things like that where I thought, you know what, at the same time, then there's you you have to factor in your personal life also. My right. sister had her first baby. And I realized like, wow, I have zero personal life here. Haven't gone on a single date. (laughs) My sister's (laughs) moving on with her life. Like, what am I doing?
0: Yeah, you're just all in on this job thing. Right.
2: And if I knew if someone were to say, which, of course, they can't ever say with anyone in any career or any part of your life, like, if you do this, it will lead to that and it will lead to that. And therefore, just keep going. You'll you'll make it. Right. I probably would have if they'd said, you just do two years here and then you'll do two years in Omaha and two years in Dallas and then you'll end up on the Today Show. Oh, I certainly would have done it. But there's no guarantee of anything.
0: No. No. So. Right. I veered. (laughs) 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 Okay. So after how long in, in Billings? Well, less than two years because okay. I had a contract for two
2: years, and it's the only time in my life I've ever broken a contract. But wow. I was I was pretty miserable, and right. as soon as I well, realized, you're lonely
0: like, for sure,
2: yeah. And when I realized, like I don't, I don't think I can hack that. I'm not going to do this career wise anyway, because right. and so um, I asked to get let out of my contract, and the only reason they let me do it was because I told them I'm not um i'm not going to a competitor i'm i'm getting out of the industry
0: okay um right, right. so
2: they they let me out okay and so um anyway that i i I, went, I moved back to la and i i started working you know i i kept working in um in media just not in front of the camera
0: gotcha. stuff so i kept so now you're writer producer uh yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. so i i uh, i feel like that was an interesting journey because i still i don't regret that decision because you have to you have to own your decisions of course that you've made and i made it very thoughtfully and um i know that it was the right thing to do at the time i still would love to have had my dream job like Mm. it's not that i didn't want to have that but i think you have to realize that nothing is done in a vacuum, and everything has a cost. And so if you're going to do one thing, you know, if I was continued on that path, I was sacrificing a lot of personal life, as well as a lot of professional integrity, like I was doing Mm. stories that I didn't think were that important anymore. And, you know, it just didn't turn out to quite be the job that I thought it was going to be. And so I just thought it was important to keep reevaluating what I thought was important.
0: Yeah, you know, some of my best decisions ever were like you get to this point like a decision point. A veer, yes. right? And you go, yeah. I thought I wanted that and now that I see what it is, I don't want it anymore. That's that's some of the best no ever, right? You can save yourself so much time, trouble, effort, pain, loneliness, sorrow <laughs> from just yeah. going, Mmm, okay. There was this vision I had and reality doesn't match the vision." I know I'm going to erase out that vision now and just go find the next thing. That's, and and I I like doing that.
2: (laughs) And that all comes from doing it self and self knowledge, right? Yeah. It's really about knowing. And that's one thing I tell my kids. I have 14 and 16 year old kids. And so they're coming, you know, to this age to be able to think about these things more. And sometimes I'll say something you might feel like you failed or you haven't gotten what you wanted. Mm -hmm. This is good to know. This right. is all learning about yourself. How do you feel when, you know, when that happens? How do you react to disappointment? How do you, you know, how do you pivot when something doesn't go your way? This is, these are all things that help you learn about yourself. Yeah. And this is really important to know as you move forward in life, because the stuff is going to keep happening. You're going to mm. have these yeah. bigger, the decisions yeah, get yeah. bigger and bigger. Yeah. And so you, you have to know how to, um, how you have to know yourself well enough mm to make the best decision for yourself at the time.
0: So, now, you know, you, uh, you had like really good, I think parents probably, they probably supported you again in that decision. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know, there's parents. this, like, I, I felt, uh, like when I was 18, like getting close to graduating, uh, high school, you know, yeah. there was this song on the radio all the time. Uh, like 18 and life to go. It's like, you just, Mm. it's like you're driving over a cliff. (laughs) Mm -mm. That's what Uh. it feels like. You know, it's like Uh. now what do I do dad? You know, and they've got like my mom and dad are great. Right. But like my dad worked in the same factory until he retired at 60 something. Mm -hmm. And my mom grew up on a farm and cleaned houses. Right. Mm -hmm. Never really had a job job, but briefly Mm -hmm. had a job job. Didn't like it. (laughs) Bless her, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but you know, I think I wish somebody had been around to say things like this to me, you know, like young people out there just because you get a job doesn't mean it's for life. Right. That's what Um, I, I, the message, right. You can go try things (laughs) and if it doesn't work out, just leave. That's okay. You know, I've done it so many times and I'm like 55 keep doing that. It's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and then I, I feel like that there's no such thing really as
2: failure. You know, there's I no think that word, because yeah. it's all, well. There, the,
0: I it's mean, all you learning. Can, yeah. I mean, it's a bad word. I yeah. think people just like think, well, if I fail, it's like, there's this mark on my permanent record that God's keeping in this book. And then yeah. at some point, Jeff will just get X'd out and he go, no, he's done. He's yeah. still alive, but he's done. Yeah. He is forever a failure and can never do anything good. And ever again, that doesn't happen. It's just an event. And then you you go through it. You maybe you're sad, maybe not. (laughs) Right. And then you go find the next thing. It's not, you know, I think if, if more kids were trained that way, like this is just what life's like. You know, Mm -hmm. that would save a lot of hardship anyway. Sorry. Yeah. And expect it.
2: Yes. Actually, Expect expect it. it. Yes. Don't expect that you're either continually just going on this up or that it's going to be this wonderful plateau of easiness. Like expect the ripples (laughs) because that's the reality. Nobody has it easy the whole way.
0: Some of my, one of my favorite things was uh, this, I think there's this fallacy that we all fall under of at some point, my life will be easy. Mm -hmm. And I'll just relax and glide and then die. And everybody will love me and throw, you know, flowers on my funeral bed or whatever. Right. That's not true. (laughs) Life just the struggles change. They don't go away. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So let's move on. So now you go back to LA. So what happens next? So I kind of try to figure out, you know,
2: well, first of all, I I was really happy to just be back in California because um like I mentioned, I was feeling like I wanted a personal life again. And so, <laughs> yeah. and I found, I had lived in LA before and I found even though I'm from Northern California and there's kind of a a Northern California versus Southern California like bias thing. I love I love LA and I just found it a mm. really um open place of um and there's a lot of creativity um and LA's people great. just So, um, welcoming, you know, like, oh, my cousin's boyfriend's sister's neighbor is having a barbecue. Do you want to come next weekend? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like it's just really nice. Social
0: opportunities are endless. Yeah. You just fall into these things, you know? yeah, Yeah, I get it.
2: So that, that really helped. And so, um, I ended up working in a couple of different environments. Um, but speaking of, failure or something that I thought was a major failure I got a job that for a while I thought man this first I thought this could be the greatest thing ever and then I thought this is the biggest failure of my life and now I tell like I tell my kids about it because I want them to show that you can totally flail maybe oh that's good Flail, not fail. Just add an L. (laughs) Um,
0: But learn from it. Yeah.
2: So I ended up getting a job as the West Coast, I don't know if I was maybe called the assistant or somehow the presence for this, the highest up woman um, at the Fox at News Corp. She was located in New York and she wanted kind of like an L.A. presence, like eyes and ears. So I basically had her office on this executive floor at the on the Fox lot in wow. LA, like wow. Peter Churn in the head at the time was like down the office, and I literally had a butler. Like he would come in, I he would come in and ask what I needed. It was the craziest. I was in my late 20s and I was treated like royalty, and I would wow. go into these meetings, but I was clueless, I didn't know what I was doing, and she was so far away, and I was given very little direction, right? And so I Com- like I say, it completely flailed. And after a short bit of time, it was clear. Like I was not cut out. This was not working. And so- Did you decide that or
0: someone else decided
2: that? We decided it together. We. <laughs> she and I both. Just, it was like, this is- This is I don't not know. working. Right. I felt I don't know every what day. I'm doing. Right. I don't know what I'm doing. She didn't right. have time or energy or she didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing. I think she just sort of wanted me to take some ball and run with it, but there was no ball. <laughs> there was just, she <laughs> uh, wanted me to create something out of, but that's not out really- who I was. And, not your thing. Um, So it ended, but I felt terrible about myself. I just felt like, wait a minute, this could... I had this, a butler. This. I won. I had, a, I had my own <laughs> fridge and my this ginormous <laughs> office. I was with all these bigwigs and I, yeah, you yeah. know, they were creating the Simpsons down the lot. Like, why didn't I take advantage of this incredible opportunity? Yeah. But instead I looked and I thought, you know what? That's not... There's sure there's tons I could have done differently. Also, mm. give myself a little grace. I was... I had no guidance, right? Like, like there was no one there helping me. There was no playbook. There was no one checking in on me. There was, I was basically getting paid to like, who sit knows? in an
0: office and yeah. ask for coffee. And I need, so, I really need some coffee.
2: <laughs> it was kind of just a really odd situation. Whereas I think if I had been more of a go getter at a different time in my life, I would right. have probably said, Hey, actually, this doesn't fit. But I would love to learn this aspect of your business. Can I go work in that division or or something like that? Like, I wish I had done that. Mm. But overall, I look at it now with more maturity and say, you know, it was just a bad fit. And it's not my fault that it didn't work out. Mm. And some things just weren't meant to be and let's move on. But I really beat myself up for a while about that.
0: Like, how could I have screwed that up? Such a (laughs) failure. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, Been there, done that. So I think we all go through that. You know, I I think some part of me would have been like uh, George Costanza. Do you ever watch Seinfeld?
2: Of course. Where he just
0: sits in the office and maybe takes a nap like yeah. I, I could totally see myself doing that i would i would have bled that job dry and made a lot of money <laughs> oh they don't really care what i do all day wow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at least you were honest and you're like uh, am i supposed to be doing something in here something. what did you actually it just I, I we don't have to spend much more time on it but what did you do on those days where you had nothing to do did you just like Try I remember. To talk to people or?
2: There weren't. No, there was no one really around. I guess I was on this executive floor. And you're on um, the
0: C suite. There's nothing. Uh, there's yeah, no one
2: around. I, okay. I remember looking, I guess, was this sort of when the internet was starting? This was like, what was this, like late 90s or something? I remember I was supposed to be researching. They wanted to start some new cable channels. So I was supposed to be coming up with ideas for cable channels or something. So wow. I was doing a lot of like researching. Okay. So I do remember. Well, that you can do that on okay.
0: yourself by yourself.
2: I guess that's what I was doing. <laughs> I felt really ineffective. <laughs> so, I I like to I like to be challenged, but obviously I think we all need to be given a little bit of, you know, guidance like I like right. to sort of feel like I have some bit of yeah. expertise, of course, yes. yeah. knowing what you're doing. So, right. So I, I eventually I moved back to the Bay Area where I'm from. and okay. um, and I started. Well, initially, you know, it's kind of when the whole dot com boom was starting. So everyone's like, oh, you got to work in tech. You got to work in tech. And so I did that for a little bit. And then I was like, oh, this is not for me. And so then I started working um, for PBS for some shows for PBS out of San Francisco. Okay. And then I eventually went to um, graduate school. I went to get um, a master's in uh, documentary filmmaking. Wow. Which was really. It really fun and really challenging, like very, the yeah. hardest school I've ever done. You have two to years get of,
0: really super technical about all the cameras and stuff, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hard. a lot of technical <laughs> stuff. But again, a lot of amazing storytelling techniques right. and super, um, just really engaging. I just, I just loved it. Um, mm. but it was hard work. We made three films our first year and then one thesis film our second year. Wow. So it was it's very hands-on. Mm. Um, so that was really a fun thing to do. So all that is kind of why I eventually, years later here, started the podcast because I thought, you know, I can't really work in film. I live in the Bay Area again and I'm not really going to move to LA or New York and work in TV or film right now because I have right. kids. But I thought, well, a podcast can kind of, use a lot of the skills that I've learned, obviously not the visual stuff, but it can use researching and interviewing and editing and storytelling and all of that. Um, But podcasting, as you know, it's, it's, it's its own beast also. Like there's a lot that I didn't know. Like podcasting has been its own challenge for me.
0: Oh, (laughs) yeah. I've done three different shows. Mm -hmm. So like my first podcast was just sort of like, I guess you'd call it like an experiment. Like, mm-hmm. can I learn all the steps on my own, only using the internet to get something like a web page, a domain, wow. and, then, and then on iTunes, right? And that was, that was it. If if I met those three things, I was like, woohoo, right? And I did it. And then it was like a kind of a buddy interviewee show, kind of like a hybrid. Uh So it's like when I didn't have a guest, a friend and I would just chat. Uh (laughs) Right. And I think we did like 59 ish shows and then, uh, and then we quit. I quit. I was like, you know, I'm, I think I was at that time I was spending money doing, um, GI Bill school Mm -hmm. at the same time. And I transitioned to like where I was only doing like one class a week. And so then I could do homework, do the podcast. It was easy. Right. And then I went to massage school and massage school is like every day from morning until like two o'clock or something like that. You know? So it's like, okay, where do I podcast now? <laughs> and I was in and LA, is, so I was driving way too much. So
2: isn't it physically tiring too, massage school? Oh my, my friend's goodness. husband did it. Yes.
0: Yeah. Actually, the whole that was probably why I chose not to be a massage therapist after a massage uh, go. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you, it's basically you're an athlete. Yeah, you have to treat your life as if you were an athlete. Uh-huh. It is yeah, my back would just I, if I would massage too long, you know they, they try to teach you how to do it right, so you're not hurting your body. Uh, that did not get transmitted.) <laughs> <laughs> to my brain correctly, so whenever I do it, I did it wrong, you're helping
2: <laughs> other people's bodies and you're hurting your own body. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's this whole concept of body mechanics and how to like do it in a way that you're you know using the force from your legs. Wow, and you're not supposed to use your hands or your thumbs, like they're just at the end of the power, right? Uh huh. That's correct body mechanics, and if you do it right, then you're not you know hurting yourself. Yeah, very few people do it right. <laughs> Uh (laughs) so they get done and they you know jump in an ice bath that would be what i was thinking about doing i remember doing like this volunteer beach massage once and uh i i don't know what i did but you know have you ever like thrown your back out where you can't move (laughs)
2: not that bad but my husband has yeah Yeah. it seems
0: like it's a more of a guy thing but it's like Whatever, my back just—it still happens less often, but yeah, I just seized up. Uh, wow. I had to lay on the floor in the studio and just moan for like thirty minutes, oh my and then and go, "Okay, I think I can move again." Yeah. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> awful.
2: That
0: See, so I awful. should be on your show. So let's talk yes. about like uh, your podcast. So you have all kinds of really fun people on your show. I just listened to—I can't remember his name, but he was the NYPD. Uh, retired oh, sergeant Vic, or detective yeah, Vic Ferrari.
2: Yeah. He oh, was amazing. Listening.
0: Yeah. It yeah. was great. <laughs> I listened all the way to the end. He was really fun. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: I try to get these people kind of from all walks of life. I uh, love it. So people can, um, you know, some of them are more serious. I interviewed a guy that uh, had been wrongly convicted of murder and Ouch. he yeah, was no. in That's prison for nine 19 years. And before he, he got out, because finally, the real DNA? murderer confessed, Over. there was no DNA. So finally, oh, wow. the real murderer confessed. And, and then now he's this incredible, he runs a nonprofit. I mean, he just the compassion this guy has, mm. after how he's been treated in life. And, and that one, I, I really love that episode, because I had to work really hard to get him. <laughs> mm. I read about I, I was reading a, an article in our local newspaper. And it was really about his nonprofit. And it just happened to mention that his oh, name said that he he <laughs> yeah. was in prison for 19 years, wrongly convicted. And I was like, Oh, oh my gosh, I want to interview him. And <laughs> yeah. it took me so long to get him. So I was like, Oh yeah, that's my old journalistic chops. Like to have to uh, get chase him. It down. Um, but, and he's <laughs> so lovely. He's just such an amazing person. Right. Um, so some of them are more serious like that, but he's not a serious person. I mean, he's really funny also. Right. Um, and then it's a some serious of are, topic.
0: I get it. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah. So the topic's really, you know, they really range um, in things. I, you know, interviewed someone who's a Hollywood actress and I interviewed someone who's a um, sound healer. And, you know, so it's kind of there's a whole variety. There's kind of something for everyone, I I hope.
0: But that's that's perfect because you're not going to get bored anytime soon.
2: Me, the interviewer. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: or the listener. <laughs> e- either or, right? Uh, yeah. It's like well, I mean, it's I like podcast cared. potpourri.
2: Yeah. Some people say like, oh, you used to. Grow this podcast, you need a like a real niche. You know, like yeah, it should don't be about do do Swiss niches. chocolate or yeah. something like that. And I'm niches. like Well I don't know. That feels I, like I
0: think, you know, niches are fine if you're a niche person. If you're if you're mm. like really you wanna know like million miles deep about, you know, I don't know fungal spores or something, you know, Uh, (laughs) that's exactly, that's what I've been wondering about. (laughs) You know, and, and, and you've got a a bunch of people that are really into that, then, you know, go for it. I'm just not that kind of person. When I hear niche, I'm like, ew, you know, Mm -hmm. it just seems like, well, geez, that'd get boring after show number two for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think we're on about the same page on that. Yeah. Mm.
2: Well, that's right. I guess there's just different types of people. Like I remember, I actually, um, I admire you starting the podcast by just looking online for everything. I I took a continuing studies course um, during the pandemic to try to get things going. And I remember they used the specific example, which stuck with me since I have a food background. They said like, don't just do a podcast on food, do a podcast on mangoes. And I, I asked in this little session, I was like, okay, so let's just say I do my podcast on mangoes. And after eight episodes, 12 episodes, I've got no more to say on mangoes. I've done the history. I've right. done how to cook them. I've t- right, <laughs> like, I've right. done everything on mangoes eight, and I've created, episodes. Right. I've got my whole mango passionate audience. Now what? Now I want to do a podcast on, even if it's a different I mean, now I'm, I don't want to do fruit anymore. And so I want to, and they're like, now what do I do? Yeah. And so they were like, oh, well, by that time you've probably cultivated enough rapport with your audience that they'd follow you anywhere. So now if you want to do a podcast on, um, I don't know, home decor or whatever, they'd follow you. And I'm thinking... I don't know. No. I mean, is that really true? No. Like, I think these are mango <laughs> devotees. Yes.
0: They don't really care who you are. <laughs> yeah. They want I mean, to there know are about some mangoes. They, yep.
2: Yeah. They really do care about
0: the host for sure. But right. it
2: was interesting because I, I guess there's just the, one of the things with podcasting is that there's no template, you know, there's right. no just sure road to success that if there were, everyone would just follow it. And, right. But that's life. Fine. But that's not it. Like yeah. you just sort of have to find your own road.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I, I think I'm, I'm reading a Seth Rogen, not Seth Rogen, my Seth Godin. There we go. The other oh. Seth. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many Seths. Um, yeah. Seth Godin wrote this book and I, I want to say it's called The Practice. Okay. Um, and I think it's his most recent book. So he's sort of redefining what art could be. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So it's basically something creative that is not guaranteed to work. That's art. What a
2: great definition. I know.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah, because there's no guarantee, right? Wow. And you do it anyway, right? So, you know, that's, that's kind of what this shows. My, vroom, vroom, fear. I didn't think that. Right? <laughs> it was just yeah. like, I, I, I started thinking maybe I'll be a writer blogger. And I wrote and blogged for a very long time, but I just don't really enjoy writing so much. It's very, very much a solo kind of thing. I know you Mm -hmm. write, so Mm -hmm. you can write, right? And it's not like I hate writing. It's just not like, doesn't light me up, right? It's not like I'm going to like go, oh, I really have to write now because it's my thing. No. But if you ask me to podcast, I could podcast, like as long as it's interview based, I don't think I could do like that Dan Carlin thing that we were talking about. Yeah. Like just get a bunch of notes and just talk for five hours. Couldn't do that.
2: (laughs) Well, I will say that I think this, um, talking with people, you Mm -hmm. know, interviewing people or being interviewed is like the highlight of podcasting for me because it is a, can be very solitary. And particularly, I work from home. I don't go to like an office or something where I have office mates. And I'm not a huge extrovert, but I'm not an introvert either. I'm kind of right in the middle. And so it can be kind of lonely. It's totally lonely. When I get to interact with people, and everyone is so so interesting in their own way, even if it's not everyone would be my best friend going forward. But I love talking with every single person (laughs) that I've gotten to interact with. And so it's really... Totally the highlight for me is to get to interact with these people. Yeah. So I wouldn't want to just be a writer where I'm sol- solitary all the time. Right. This part is great.
0: You know, the, and the best thing for podcasters like you and me to market the show is do other people's shows. Yes. <laughs> for sure. So I want to do your show and you can come yeah. back and do my show again.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. it really is. It's, it really I knew is that going
0: in. I just haven't done it. You know, I uh-huh. haven't done it enough. I've been on a handful of other podcasts, but for whatever reason, you know, when I think about it, I'm going, yeah, that's great. But I think what turns me off usually is it's hard for me to find shows where I can be like, because I'm not, I'm retired and mm-hmm. I don't need money anymore. So mm-hmm. like, it's totally just what Seth said. It's like, this is my art and it might not work, but it's what I'm doing now <laughs> so I don't go crazy. And yeah. and that doesn't really resonate with people on podcasts uh-huh. so much. It's like they want to know what you're selling and what, what, what you're, you know, yeah. how are you making money, you know? yeah <laughs> Exactly. So I have to find the, you know, it takes a little bit longer to find the people that are interested in just talking and yeah. you know, this kind of you know, expression. I guess is.
2: You might want to listen. I interviewed this woman. She's a contemporary artist. She's had shows at MoMA in New York and things. And she's so great. She was actually I went to high school with her. Oh wow! And, um, That's awesome.
0: She talk is, about a good conversation. <laughs> I. She's so
2: smart and like just lovely how she explains stuff. But she is just she's an artist at her core. Mm. And just how she. This is what she. Same thing. She just needs to create in her life. And so much of what she creates, ends up literally on the floor, because it's right. not worth, you know, <laughs> right. displaying, right, but then other things just end up, you know, in the on this national for this national audience. Right.
0: And, and she could never tell you which one is going to be the thing. No, because it's not no. up to her. That's how art works. It's like it just, you're just doing it. It has just to come out, out of her. It comes yeah. out, and then you put it aside and go, okay, that's done now. And if somebody looks at it and goes, wow, that's cool. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It,
2: it, that I found really inspirational because yeah. she just is like, this is who I am, and I need to just keep creating.
0: This has been a blast. It's been, it's it's been so about an hour, so we should wrap up now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh you are at let me make sure i get it right uh let's see here what it's like to dot net so talk a little bit about how people can best get in touch with you find your podcast and everything else
2: oh thanks so yeah that's my website and so you can um find all of the episodes there of my podcast the whole right. back catalog you can also just find all the episodes on apple podcast google podcast spotify wherever you get your podcasts. but on the website you can um all my social media links are there too so you can contact me
0: perfect Through those yeah perfect elizabeth pearson gar thank you for hanging out with me
1: for thank you, about Jeff. an hour it's- So
0: fun. This has been a blast. (laughs) If you ever want to ask, pick my brain about podcasting, feel free. I've done it a little bit. So if there's, yeah, that's free.